everybody. Hope you're having a fabulous day. I'm excited. I get to interview someone and I've never met her, but she sounds like a fabulous person. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, uh, what I know about her. So her name is Lauren and she is a mom of two incredible little men, the wife of a police officer, a business owner, a founder of To Serve and Connect, a transformational coach as well. She spent eight years as a corrections officer at the Edmonton Institution for Women. And during that time, she struggled with anxiety, health issues, insomnia, and addictions. She left the corrections after her second child, as she just could not force herself to return to an environment that created so much havoc in her life. Uh, Lauren began dabbling in personal development and life coaching to assist with her business. And it was at that time that she realized she was suffering from the things she was carrying with her that no longer served her from her career as an officer. During her personal journey of self-discovery and working through some of the struggles that kept her from moving forward, Lauren has uncovered this extreme passion to work with first responder spouses to navigate the lifestyle, recognize emotional industry, acknowledge the role that the partner plays, and empowering those that require uh, help to teach or to reach out and ask for it. Lauren is the founder of To Serve and Connect, a nonprofit that aims at creating connection, community, adventure, and resources for first responder spouses because they are often overlooked, forgotten, and undervalued in this role that they have taken on. So she is the spouse of a first responder. So I think during this time, uh, during this pandemic, uh, this is such a great opportunity to just get a better insight and a better look into what the spouses are dealing with on a daily basis. We are often thanking the first responders, uh, whether it's healthcare workers, police officers, firefighters, um, but often they are overlooked as these spouses. So without further ado, let's get Lauren on the line and we will have a good chat. Welcome to Talk with Teddy. Thanks for joining us, friends. As an avid writer, a registered nurse, a nutritionist, an educator, and chronic illness sufferer, it's been so fun to start this podcast. I really hope that it has brought you the connection and the inspiration that you need to carry on in your own creative ways and becoming your best selves. Just a bit of a disclaimer for this episode, Lauren and I do talk a little bit about our traumatic experiences working in both corrections and adult psychiatry units. So this may be an episode you don't want to listen to in front of children. Hello, Lauren. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I can't believe I figured this out. (laughs) Good. I'm so proud of you. It's kind of self-explanatory I've had a few like non-tech savvy people have a few issues like one person's microphone didn't work right away but for whatever reason it's so far so good with this this platform it's awesome yeah I agree awesome awesome well it's nice to meet you over this amazing podcast episode I feel like I already know you because I feel like we have a lot in common Cool. Like we've, we've both kind of worked in those like tricky settings 
Like mm-hmm. I, you, you worked as a corrections officer. Tell me, yes. tell me some stuff. Tell me some stories. Oh, what can I tell you? Well, I'll tell you, um, I did not plan to be a corrections officer. That is, um, I went into psychology at uh, the University of Lethbridge and it, I found it super boring. Like I just couldn't make, you know, studying and regurgitating into tasks work for my grade. <laughs> just I wasn't my thing. Yeah. So um, one of the guidance people was like, hey, if you can find a psychologist to, um, to follow around, we will support you in that and you can write papers and do all that sort of stuff. So I said, okay, fine. Well, like in 2002, it, you know, you had to look it up in the phone book. <laughs> and I, right. I feel so old when I say that, but yeah. I call, you know, I called around a few, I was in Lethbridge, called around a few places and it was uh, fairly difficult, but I ended up running into someone like two days after I talked about this and uh, he's like, Oh, my sister's the psychologist at the Lethbridge Correctional Center. And I was like, what? Okay, get me in touch with her. So we, I worked with her for two years. Um, I did a bunch of like programming with women in uh, the provincial system, because in 2002, there was nothing for females um, in provincials. So I did that with her. And then I taught some uh, university or no college courses with her. And then we decided to go to Edmonton and interview a woman named Yvonne Johnson, who um, was serving a life sentence for torturing and murdering the man that sexually abused her daughter wow and it was fascinating I was like oh this is super cool and what I yeah yeah like I felt like uh what's that movie um you know uh Hannibal Lecter you know where she's like sitting there like learning I was like oh Oh, this is cool this is so cool it's Um, fascinating totally I loved it and as I left um there were a few people people that were like you should get a job here you know like I was like yeah 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 I should get a job here and people were like in, in the hallway like a women's prison is very different from a male facility so um I was like this is really cool but what I thought I was applying to do was be like a caseworker which is kind of what I was doing in the provincial system like administering exams um like DSM-4 stuff I was um you know writing reports but I applied um, and the job that I applied for was called a primary worker. And that's what they call it in women's facilities because it's women centered. It's not, you're not okay. called a corrections officer. You're called a primary worker, which okay. encompasses some case management, but you're mostly, you're a prison guard is what you are. Um, but I didn't know that when I applied, I went through the entire process and then showed up in Saskatoon to train for four months and literally learned that day that I had signed up funny how that works out somehow like you have no idea what your role is going to be and you're kind of thrown into the deep end it's like okay this is life now yeah and my my boyfriend at the time was like you you know you only weigh 110 pounds and you're only five foot two like he's like I think you were the same size too that's crazy and I worked in adult psychiatry in Lethbridge nonetheless too really so crazy that is so crazy so maybe you know do you know Alicia Hanger I don't know if I do. Okay. Um, she might have been gone by then. She actually developed her. I worked her... there like 2005 to 2010. At this, at the, at the, at. No. Okay. Not at, at the, the psych... corrections okay. office. I worked in adult psychiatry at the Lethbridge Regional Hospital. Okay. But oh I, I imagine similar, right? Very like, similar. I bet you we saw a lot of the same people. I'm sure. I'm sure we did. Very cool. Crazy. 
Yeah, crazy, so I, I decided to stay and become a corrections officer because what else was I going to do at this point? I, I hear you. Yeah, I left my house. I left everything, packed up, went to Saskatoon. And like, I think I almost felt like I had to prove it to myself. Okay, like I showed up here. They hired me knowing that this is what I look like. And they obviously think I can do it. I was 22. I was actually... the it's changed now. But when I got hired, I was the youngest female ever hired to work in a federal facility. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it was my my mom was like, I'm coming to get you. There's no way you're going to do that. And I'm like, no, mom, I'm going to stay. I'm going to see. And you had to pass um, like a bunch of parts. So I was like, well, let's just see if I pass it all. And then we'll worry about if I'm actually going to do this or not. And um, it was fun. You know, like, oh, there were some good days and there were some really bad days, but um, all in all, I romanticized that position very much. So I, I did uh, leave due to trauma and a bunch of things that happened there. Me too. Me but too. yeah, but I like, I romanticize it because I did have a lot of fun for a long time. So yeah. So interesting. And stories that we could tell yeah. are unlike anyone else. Like I, I went through nursing school right out of high school because I'm like, no, I want to be a nurse. That's a good job. It's a good degree to get. It's logical in my logical brain. I was like, I can go for four or five years, get a degree and be guaranteed a job. Why wouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. So I did that. I did undergrad nursing in neonatal intensive care with a little baby. Mm. And I actually chose to do my practicum in mental health. Um, I did an outpatient mental health clinical setting and I loved it. It was downtown Calgary and I really felt I could relate to some of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been around uh, people with mental health disorders. It runs in my family. And then I did my practicum um, over at the Peter Lougheed in the adult psychiatry unit 27. And I had the best practicum uh, nurses that I was working with and I absolutely loved it. And shortly after, I moved to Lethbridge, worked a little bit in their NICU and in their adult psychiatry. And of course, when I was nine weeks pregnant, I was attacked by um, an adult patient um. and like like thrown into a chalkboard ledge, broke my nose. Uh, I was worried about the baby. It was it was awful. Of course. So I never went back to psych. But yeah, I really have a love for anyone that has to deal with with mental health and my husband always tells me you should go into psychology (laughs) and I'm like I don't want to go back to school but thank you I guess yeah yeah so so interesting so cool yeah so our paths are our paths are very similar in that sense yes so kind of tell me now like you've kind of become a wife of a first responder Mm -hmm. it sounds a bit Mm -hmm. and you've kind of found a passion um working with these kind of supporters of first responders because they are often overlooked and forgotten well and and I feel like that's so important right now because of this pandemic oh I totally agree with you and like mine stemmed mostly from so I was a when I was a first responder my husband worked on the oil rigs um and then when I left my job the oil like to have my first child um the oil rigs like dried up for a like long time so he's like I think I want to be a cop so uh, he became a police officer in Camrose. I was still living in Stony Plain and taking my son to daycare and working at the jail. And then I had another baby. Um, Good for you. And I d- commuted for a bit. And then I was just like, okay, I'm done. I Like, I have to be done That's after this. 
yeah, especially with two shift worker parents, like some of my shifts were 16 hour days. Oh, so goodness. it's like, I'm calling daycares going, do you take kids at 5am? And like, can they be picked up at 7pm? And they're like, No, that's not oh, allowed. My goodness. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and um, I actually never really wanted to go back to that job anyways, because um, there was so much that happened. I, before I had my son, I started drinking, I started taking um, per- over the counter or prescription medications, whatever I could get my hands on, just to turn my brain off at the end of the day. This is a numbing, like coping. Totally. Mechanism. Yeah, oh. totally. And my husband was worked away a lot at that time. So he would come home and be like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, what would make you happy? Should we go shopping? Do you want to go for supper? Like, he really had no idea what was going on. And the crappy part was, is I didn't know what was going on either. So us trying to navigate all of that was extremely hard. And then I found out. Oh, I, was I can pre- only imagine. Yeah. And then I found out I was pregnant, which uh, was helpful because you can't take all those things um, while you're pregnant. And no, I would never would. So um, I had to start finding other ways um, almost to distract myself. And I started working out um, and getting involved in more positive addictions, uh, still addictions, but more positive ones than drinking. But what a My- blessing, like yes. in disguise. In totally. Way, right? Totally. I remember, though, when I found out I was pregnant, I was super upset because the first thought I had was, I, I don't know how I'm going to sleep. Yeah. And you babies are a blessing because they suck the life right out of you. So the first couple months, oh, was my like, goodness, it, I had a couple no months problem. are a nightmare. <laughs> I don't know why that isn't talked about more like <laughs> pregnant moms beware. Like it is a nightmare. Oh, <laughs> if you don't. Month, yeah. Oh, oh, my goodness. The second one's oh. worse, though, because you have a little one to run after, too. So you can't nap, oh. really. Like, the first one, you should be napping, but you're not. Um, oh, with the second one, remember, you're like, oh. I had to have a C-section. All of my chronic illnesses weren't diagnosed yet. So I had, like, an awful recovery time. Mm-hmm. I had to be on my own. My husband at the time was, like, working as a self-employed person. Couldn't take any time off. And I was crying, like, how am I supposed to pick this baby up out of the crib? Because I'm just as tiny as you. And my baby was like a 95th percentile baby that didn't want to come out. So they had to cut her out of me. Oh, and I had no family in Lethbridge. It was it was the oh. worst, man. And your milk's coming in. And you're, oh, oh. it was just it was I, awful. <laughs> I hear you. I had, a, my first one was eight, nine. And he, I had to have a C-section too. And it was like, and I was allergic to uh, morphine and they, I didn't know that. I'd never taken morphine before. Ugh. And I was, my girlfriend walked in the room and she was like, oh my gosh, you look awful. I'm like, gosh, I love you. We get the hell out of here. I just had a baby. Yeah, like, I feel awful. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a struggle. And it was like, and be, you know, a first time mom and oh, you're just going through a ton of things. Right. So I know. I just, all I can say at baby showers, like when they ask for advice, I'm like, it gets better. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I always say it gets, it gets different. Better. It gets different. <laughs> True, right? Just different kinds of struggles. Yeah. Well, and it's ironic because I love newborns. I worked with neonatal intensive care babies. Like I love babies, but man, that first little bit is just rough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway. So how have you been able to take like your personal experience and help others navigate the lifestyle and recognizing their own emotional injury and things like that? I think for us, um, so when, so then we transitioned position. So my husband became the first responder. I became the spouse. Like we just switch it around. Um, and, and he had an Achilles injury. So he got injured, um, April, 2016. And he was actually pretty upset and depressed through that entire thing. And I, was just kind of like, I, I knew what I needed him to say to me back in the day, like, 
not should we go shopping? Like I'm here to talk. Um, is there anything you want to you anything you need to tell me? How are you feeling today? You know, like can we get out? He had a scooter, so I'd make sure that he got outside every day with the scooter. Like, and I'd be like, I'll sit on the front. You can like give me a ride around the block or whatever. I just <laughs> I just knew the things that I had to do to try and you know stop stop him, even if it was just for a minute, snap him out of that. Yes, that area that he kept going. Um, and, and he, he, first responders hugely identify with their positions, right? So first of all, that sucked yeah. for him. Then he couldn't help with the kids because he was on like a, a cast that was, he couldn't wait there. So he couldn't help with kids. He couldn't go to work. And then when he could go to work, it like swelled up. It was, it was significant. Well, and it affects your confidence. It does. It totally your, does. Your self-worth. And work was like, going through his work was going through some things so they were short staffed so he felt like I need to get this fixed right away because I need to go back to work um yeah so I think my passion kind of grew from grew from that and knowing like I'd been through this and now I was able to help him through it and like say like maybe I'm not the person you need to talk to like I had that awareness to say do you need to talk to someone maybe I'm not the person you need to talk to it can be anyone I don't care like well call somebody or just having that. And I think that's where it comes from the most is being aware that you're going through something. Because when I went through my things, I had no idea. I had no idea that this was, and it's culturally related to like the culture in the prison is very much about like, Oh, I drank myself to sleep last night. Oh, good. Well, I took Benadryl and did this and Oh, really? That works. Okay. Well, I'll try that tomorrow night. Right. Like it's very, you're kind of all in the same boat, but nobody mentions like, how shitty it really is because you don't want to be yeah, the person you need those <laughs> you don't want to be the person yeah, they don't you need those with. coping mechanisms yes. but often we tend towards the negative ones absolutely I even noticed that working in psych some of the nurses like almost I would say 80 percent of them smoked and drank themselves to sleep and things like that and it's like we're nurses we should know better than this but this is this is what we're choosing to do as our coping mechanism mm-hmm. to deal with some of the stuff that we see in the trauma in our patients and things like yes. that yes and you carry a lot of things in those jobs that you actually don't realize that you carry. Um, yes. And like the sense of humor, you have to kind of adapt totally. to just to laugh <laughs> totally. through instead of crying. Like it's true, like, and right? uh, my was, and this is, this sounds so awful and morbid when I talk about it now. And the good thing is I have a lot of like EMS around me, a lot of uh, police officers around me and correctional officers around me. But when I say this, people go, Oh my gosh, that is messed. If there was a, a slashing at the jail they knew not to call me. I would, if, if I had to pick between a hanging and a slashing, I always, I would always take a hanging because I did not do yeah. it with blood. The first time I ever went to a slashing, I like slipped and like pulled my groin and it was awful. And I remember, like, I remember very vividly, whereas like a hanging, um, we, we saved everyone, every hanging. So I feel like that's where that, um, comes from. Um, but yeah. I would always, I would take a, a non-blood issue over a blood issue any single day. But you know what? That's, that's such a good point. Cause even in nursing, it's like, I would rather someone throw up than someone spit on me. You know what right. I mean? Like it's those little mm-hmm. things that, you know, and you, you kind of have each other's backs because it is such a tough environment. You really have to work as a team and know, um, I remember when I got pregnant, I was like, look, I'm pregnant. I'm a little nervous working with these volatile patients, but unfortunately, the unit I worked on was very much, um, I was new because A, I was from Calgary. I wasn't from Lethbridge and B, I was a newer, younger person. So I didn't have much seniority in their eyes or seniority right. at all. So I was kind of just told, no, there's no real 
duty to accommodate. We've had lots of pregnant women working on our unit. Nobody's ever been harmed. Like we're all really good at working as a team and like taking over when situations arise. But of course that morning I was charge nurse. I was doing an admission and it was my patient who was acting out. So in my head, I was like, no, I'm the one who's established the rapport for this person. I have to try to step in and save the day. And in hindsight, there's no way I should have done that. Somebody else was already dealing with it. That was much bigger than me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I should have just left it alone. But uh, I think in the, for the most part, first responders are really good at working, working as a team and kind of having each other. Totally. Thoughts. I was like the mouthiest corrections officer ever. But I knew that I could be mouthy and exactly. the people behind me had me. Right. Like exactly. And we moved. I always talk about this. We moved from uh, like teams. So I was on a team when I first started and I knew my team and I worked well with my team. Of course, I did overtime. But I mean, I was way sassier with my team than I was with anybody else's team because I knew I knew that team well. Right. Um, and then when we went to the non crew, um, I had to back down a bit because I didn't know all the people I worked with all the time. So yeah. I had to see and you're smarter than me. <laughs> I worked better with my Calgary team. I'm serious. I worked better with my Calgary team. I feel like the security guards were more a part of our nursing team than in Lethbridge. I feel like it was two separate Got you. Um, entities in Lethbridge where um, it wasn't that way in Calgary. And I think I was so used to that and nursing in that setting that I assumed that it would be like that, where when we had to call security that day when I was being attacked, I think they took, it felt in my mind that they took at least five minutes, mm-hmm. like, I remember like the nurse I was working with, it was a male nurse who I should have just let him deal with it. But he's like, it's like, somebody take Teddy to the ER, tell them she's pregnant. She broke her nose. I heard the crack. And like, while this is happening, I'm the one calling security, like on the main phones at the desk, like trying to call security in. And like the security didn't even get there until like we had my bloody nose under control and we were like walking up to the ER. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember yelling at the security guard and saying, you didn't come when we told you we really could have used you back yeah. there. And I was like mad at them because I was like, look, you could have saved me. You could have had my back, but you didn't. Where were you? Like, I was so of mad. Course. <laughs> and you know what? And that's that adrenaline, right? That takes over in your body. Oh, that's yeah. like, oh, I should be doing this or I need to be doing this right now. And it's like, you actually don't need to be doing any of those things, but you're so on this it's high, hard. right? And you, it takes so long to come down yeah. from that, I feel like. Um, yeah. And that's when the... And I... I stayed off like I stayed off on workers comp for trauma and post-traumatic stress and then went right on to mat leave and I had a lot of coworkers say you need to come back like you can't let that scar you you need to come back but same as you I never really planned to go back after having children I planned to kind of stay home or work part-time in a little bit less (laughs) stressful setting Um, so I ended up going back to like a private home care company because that was kind of always the plan but I don't know if that's why I never went back to nursing in the hospital. Um, I, I think it does have a part of it, though. It definitely plays a part Especially when it. you don't feel secure, right? Like, I um, I got locked on a unit with uh, a segregation unit with an inmate who we constantly, we passed her around Canada. So if you have a really hard inmate, you make deals with other institutions yeah. to be like, okay, you take her for a month and then we'll take this one for you just to mix it up and to give people a break. Yeah. So we had this one, we'd had her quite a bit. I had a really good rapport with her, which I think saved my life. Um, But she, I walked down the range and we had a new, not, she wasn't new. She was old, but had been off um, for a very long time. And they put her in a control post, which should have been remedial trained on and wasn't. 
and she unlocked the door. And I don't know if the doors in the psychiatric uh, facility are the same as in an institution, but the, the mechanism unlocks and then you actually have to pull the door out and it's a metal door and then yeah. you have to, the mechanism has to release yeah. and then you have to shut it. So we, yeah. I, I was talking to the inmate. She hadn't been out of her cell without cuffs for, I want to say two and a half years because every time she did, she'd stab wow. someone. Uh, she stabbed a nurse. Um, she choked someone else. I, I can't remember all the things because I, I actually get all the inmates mixed up in my head. But she, yeah. they unlocked okay. the door and she was leaning on the door and I was on the door. And she pushed her way out. And all the first thing I thought was shut this door so you don't become a hostage. Just shut this door so you don't become a yeah. hostage. And it, the person in the bubble didn't even notice that I was still on the range and didn't do anything. Oh the, another person walking by saw it. And I think I was probably on there for about 90 seconds. Um, but it, that was like, that was the end for me. Probably that was the forever. end for me. I was like, I just can't, I can't work here when we're, we don't put our safety of our officers and our people first. Um, so yeah, no. it was, that was kind of the end. I think I would have just then I would have got pregnant with my second son and then we were accommodated we didn't have to work with inmates when we were pregnant so yeah good mm -hmm. yeah, I love that why why aren't more places mm -hmm. like that well I'm sorry that that's all happened, good but I'm glad you yeah. got accommodated and you have since kind of changed your career focus tell me more about what you're uh, doing currently so I actually left the prison and started a retail business in Camrose I um, started a one-tooth activewear it's a Canadian activewear company but um I got diagnosed with cancer. So here we go. We're just throwing balls at you left, right, and here, uh, center here. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. actually, they believe it's related. They, they believe it's stress related. I had thyroid cancer in 2017. I'm totally fine. They took it out. I had radiation and I'm good. Um, but yeah, my doctor, who has been my doctor okay. the whole time, he's like, I can tell you exactly what this is from. I'm like, from my stress. He's like, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and if you read up on it quite a bit, I actually, um, I know I'm a perfectionist too. So if you read lots of things about perfectionism and stress, um, they're very related to the thyroid. And I have thyroid cancer and I had a, a 10 centimeter tumor on my thyroid that, um, that burst wow. caused lymph node damage. But that's when I decided uh, life is too short to do shit you hate. And um, I closed yes. my retail business uh, about a year later because I had so I had Good so much you. stuff ordered <laughs> I can't imagine oh, how hard that tough. would be like for me to close down something that I had started from the ground up oh that it was, was hard that it was hard. hard but it was the right decision like even now as I watch yeah. through this pandemic I'm like how much um effort I would have to put in to keep it afloat would be significant and I I didn't love it. Yeah. So I was paying people to do things for me. So at the end of the day, I wasn't making a ton of money. I was keeping it all in the business to make sure that it thrived. Right. And so I was just like, no, right. I don't want to do that. But in that process, I started doing, um, I started working with Aaron Sky Kelly to be a master trainer for Transformation Weekend. Isn't she? She's great, I, isn't I she? love her. It's like literally every day. I'm like, yeah, Aaron, I need awesome. your help with this. <laughs> So, Aww, yeah, so we started working it. together and she taught me how to be a life coach. I'd done it in the prison. And it's interesting because, um, you know, when you interview inmates and you set goals and you do all those things, you don't think, oh, this is like coaching. 
you don't really know you don't label it as life and, coach totally and most people don't really know well what does that mean you're like right. and I had taken like dialectical yeah. behavioral therapy um I worked in our mental health unit at the jail too and I took like cognitive behavioral therapy like I and I love me too, love me too. and I did therapy. psychology in university yeah. so like I have all these backgrounds and I was just she's like you can do this this is easy oh, so yeah. I did the and then I did Tony yeah. Robbins um strategic intervention coaching which I yeah. loved and then I just started Perfect. like randomly coaching people and then um my cousin went through something significant with her husband who's a firefighter and I started coaching her and then it turned into someone else called me to coach her as a first responder spouse and then I was like, oh, yeah, this is my thing. This is totally my thing. And yeah, yeah, this I love my it. jam. I, loved, like, I would get so excited and I would work so hard. And um, so then I decided instead of doing it for one person, why don't I do a retreat? So I literally like came up with this idea and like 20 minutes later, I had it on Eventbrite. And then I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me that's totally what happened with my podcast I heard a podcast ad and I was like this ad says I can start my own podcast on anchor I'm doing it I'm doing it and Michael my husband was like as a joke he's like you should totally do it start right now I'm I know like, okay done my husband doesn't even dare me anymore. and here we he's are like, she's gonna add something else to our plate <laughs> I know right we're those action takers yes. achievers yes. that's just what we do I love that you call yourself a serial business owner. I'm like, I that's totally, me too. <laughs> I have a few, actually. I went into the, actually the accountant today and he was like, God, Lauren, you're so complicated. It's hard. He probably hates oh you. He, he does. And then I'm like, how hard is, how hard is it to do best a nonprofit friend. now? He's like, oh my gosh, you're starting a nonprofit? I'm like, yeah. He's like, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> so yeah, it's been whatever. I, I love it. I, yeah. So I've been coaching first responders. And now you're working with law. Yeah. So yeah. I did the retreat um, or I planned the retreat. The retreat's actually supposed to happen tomorrow. Um, so it got canceled. Oh, it got, is it still going to well, happen? The, let's say we're going to say postpone. Um, but in the meantime, I yeah. have like some really cool people around me that I've met through the first responder world and through like um, doing events. And they're like, why don't you be a nonprofit? Like, you there's foundations that help people and which is true because wives shouldn't have to pay for the, a weekend away to learn about how to be a fabulous first responder spouse right so I'm like you're right so uh yeah. now it's a non-profit <laughs> now so I have the coaching business which is break complacency and the non-profit is called to serve and connect and they kind of work together um okay. but yeah so so tell me how the non-profit um benefit so the nonprofit profit. I'm working because like if somebody told me what a nonprofit was I'd be like okay, I don't so even the... really know what that means so just for everybody okay, so else the non-profit, say, this, I'm learning this too Teddy so this might be this might be false yeah. information and if someone knows more please That's okay please tell me hold you to it um so uh, as a nonprofit, <laughs> you can um you can enter you can apply for grants through like governments and organizations so what I want it to do is I want um and this totally came from survive and thrive it's a, a youth um organization for young adults with cancer so I ended up going to a cancer retreat and sort of stole this idea from them they don't exist anymore but um yeah it was like oh perfect. this is perfect Hey, that's how successful businesses start. You just kind of copy yeah, what other so, people do. Yeah, uh, so I thought this is great. And I learned a lot about myself in that retreat. And I got to 
be with other people that have cancer because you talked, I talked to my husband about my cancer and he's like, Oh yeah. And then, you know, like everybody's celebrating that it's gone. And I'm like, I want to celebrate, but at the same time, I'm like, well, where's it going to go next? Or you have all these feelings and you just need them validated. Just not, not for just a little bit. Just tell me I'm not nuts. Okay. Can you help me? Um, So I thought, well, that's why I started like a, a, a support group for silent sufferers. So I suffer from quite a few chronic diseases, but I don't talk about it. I stay super positive because it's people true. that don't have it don't get it. So there's something to be said about getting together with those people that understand it. They can just validate your feelings. But sometimes yes. you're just having a crappy day and you just want to vent. That's exactly so somebody it. Who gets and that's it. what I wanted. And I didn't want it to be like a bitch yeah. session or anything for first responders. But I thought, you know, if I yeah. can get this sort of validation and this sort of information from other people, how amazing would this be for first responder spouses? Like just to be with other first and be like, Hey, you want to be my person that I can like, cause you're going to spend the weekend together. Um, and I know a lot of times I know this, um, we don't talk about it in our own memberships. So like I have first responder wives in in cameras that I talk about everything with. I have no problem sharing anything that happens with my husband, my children, anything, but um, there are memberships that don't have that because they're worried that someone's going to repeat something and then it's going to get back to the office. Right. So it's like, yeah. why don't we hook up a firefighter wife in Calgary with a police officer wife in Edmonton and they can be each other's people. And that's, they don't have to tell anybody. They don't have to know anything. That's cool. Um, so yeah. I wanted it to be like fun yeah. relaxation. I have a yoga instructor. Um, I had someone coming to do self care. I had, my cousin was going to talk about her experience with her husband um, and what they went through and what he went through. And I just wanted it to be a place where they can get resources, yeah, get information, meet other first responder spouses and, um, and learn a little bit about themselves. Because I know as a first responder spouse, I've put, I've invested a lot into my husband's career. I've given up a lot. Um, for his job. And I, you know, like anytime my kids were sick, it was like, well, I can't call in sick. You'll have to figure it out. Like I have kids sleeping in change rooms at a clothing store and being like, oh, don't open that curtain. My child's in there puking right now. Like, so you, you, yeah, yeah. You put yourself on the back burner. And sometimes we do that for a really long time to the point that we don't even know who we are anymore. And Transformation Weekend showed me totally. that actually quite a bit with Aaron. And I just thought I'd like, I would love to teach this to first responder spouses. And that's what I did with coaching. And right away it was like, oh yeah, this is what I needed. They didn't know what they needed because you get so involved in, like you said, like mental health, chronic illness, um, all of these things. And you just like, you sit back and you're silent and then you have a partner that's gone, you know, half the time and you raise your babies and you do the best you can. And then it's like, okay, when do you get time for you? And lots of them don't even think about it. So, absolutely. and then their relationships suffer, no. their self-confidence suffers. And, and I'm not saying this is for every first yeah. responder spouse, for sure not. But I mean, there's a good chunk of them that go through this. Well, especially if you have children. And I only say that because I'm in a blended family. So we, I have a child from a previous marriage and my husband has a child from a previous marriage. So we share our kids with the others that's we awesome the others because it's kind of funny because you think of the alien movie so like this week for example I'm doing like back-to-back interviews because I can because my children are with the others so I'm not having to homeschool I'm not having to right. wear my mom hat and so I've had that time where it's like oh my goodness I have to figure out who I am I have to figure out what makes me tick what my passions mm-hmm. are outside of being a mother 
So I feel I, I see the silver lining in this blended family as much as I want my kids with me 100% of the time. Right. It just yeah. isn't that way. It is what it is. And I have to kind of accept that. And it's taken that for me to really figure out what I want to do with myself and how I totally self care. Yeah, that's exactly like that. it. And lots of people don't do that. Yeah. So maybe this retreat causes yeah, that. Yeah, it or, starts or the process, right? That like for, starts the process of saying like, or, yeah, uh, totally. I remember my first transformation weekend with Aaron. My, I, I had no idea why I went. I was, it was more for my business because my, um, my retail business was good, but I had no business background. I knew nothing about starting a business. And I thought, oh, I should go set some goals for this thing. Like I should have some sort of plan, right? Like, and I thought that's what I was going to transformation weekend yes. for. I called my best friend. I said, you're coming with me. I'll pay for you. And so we went and the goal I made after all, you know, all the exercises and all the teachings went through was to have a date with my husband once a month. And I was like, well, that has nothing to do with my business, but it really does. Because if your relationships are suffering, your business is suffering. If your relationships are suffering, yeah. everything is suffering. All of your right? So it was like, yeah. oh, totally. And we had just ran so long on, oh, good, you're home. Okay. I'm leaving. Oh, good. You're home. Okay. I have to go. Oh, good. Okay. So you can babysit tonight. <laughs> you're like, we just ran like that for so long and it was so hard. And um, yeah, when I let go of the business, it was just so much easier. And um, but yeah, but now COVID, right? Like my kids yeah. are home. I'm homeschooling them. I work from home. I'm I'm literally in my neighbor's basement right now, Teddy, because my floors are being installed today. I got new flooring. <laughs> They're being installed. My kids are all upstairs fighting. So I text my neighbor. I call this the party house. They go away in the summer. And sometimes I'll have friends drink in the garage with I me. Um, but th- I'm like, I need to come to your house and do this. <laughs> I love it. this poor lady's just going to hear all this background noise. So, uh, yeah, so I'm not even at home right now. That I'm is at the neighbors so in the funny. basement recording this because it's chaos. <laughs> I love hearing that you're getting your floors redone, though, because I feel like all of us are, like, concentrating <laughs> a little more on our homes this summer. We were supposed to, I feel bad, my hubby... Uh, is celebrating his 40th and so for like two years we've been planning he's got family in Prague he wanted to take me back to Europe we were going to go to Prague and Italy and like spend spend his 40th birthday like crossing the Charles Bridge like we had this romantic plan and then COVID hit and it's like okay obviously we're not going to be in Prague for your 40th buddy we're going to be finishing our deck and our fence and our backyard and our basement and all the things to do with our house this weekend my husband turned 42 and we were supposed to go to Boston to watch the Braves play and uh yeah we're not going we can't go which is sad but we we yeah, slipped in like we flew home happening. from Hawaii on March 6th so we oh so you were one of those did you guys have to like no but my husband got sick so then we had to he didn't have COVID but they made oh. us isolate for 14 days Shoot. which was fine you never know so did you just isolate with him we had to stay away to stay away from him we had to stay away till they, away from the came kids. back negative and it came back negative, and then we all could yeah. um, self we could all isolate in the house. It was. I hard. bet that was hard too, though. We had to do it. Yeah, we had to do it. And it was awful. Did no, you keep he, him in the basement? How did, you, in the how did you do it? And if he came out, the kids and I would just go to the basement. And he would eat and like wipe everything down. It, it wasn't that because it was only because he's a first responder. Yeah. It was only two days, and then he got to go back to work. Yeah. But then he got really sick, yeah. and I think he got really a sinus infection from the thing being shoved up into his sinuses. 
Oh, I hear those. So he was off for another 10 days after that, but we could self-isolate together. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. My husband was potentially um, around somebody and was helping somebody with their laptop that had COVID. So he had to isolate. (laughs) I stuck him in our basement. Oh my God. And I had to bring all his food like to the top step. And he had like one bathroom and none of us were allowed to use it. It was awful, man. And, And of course he had the test done. By that yes, time, he yes. could do the throat one or something. But he's like, oh, it was awful. I was gagging. I was, like, apologizing to the nurse. And she's like, oh, don't worry. I do this all day long. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm glad it's you, not me. But, yeah, it came back negative. But, man, was it hard. And then we kind of kept it to ourselves because we didn't want the bias of everyone right? being like, oh, yeah. Michael's got COVID. So until until we heard it was negative, man, it was awful. And, of course, I was having a flare-up. So it's like, man, you're going to make me cook three oh, meals a day? But I had gosh. to. gosh. But yeah, man, it's a tricky time. So is your husband more busy or more stressed no, now? No, we, you know what? With I think pandemic? we, right from the, like we flew home from Hawaii and went through Seattle and everyone's wearing masks. And we're like, what the hell is happening? We had no idea because we didn't spend a lot on? of time on our cell phones. We didn't watch the news. Like we were out and about all day long. Um, so yeah, we actually had way. no idea what was going on. So when we came back, we're like, what? And my parents live in Calgary and my sister lives in Calgary. So they're totally freaking out. But um, in Camrose, we've had two cases. Uh, we, so I think we're just like, it's normal life, except everything isn't open. You know what I mean? Like we still hang out with people. We hang out yeah. with, um, yeah. like certain families that are like traveling all the time to. Yeah. That's so nice. And you're so supposed like to have one, but I mean, like we have a bunch, thing. which yeah. I'm okay with, which I'm okay with. Exactly. Well, and if you only have two yes. cases, I'm assuming you're still in Yeah, Camrose. so we've just, like that, we've been okay with it. Like, we've saved so much money <laughs> not going out and eating every night or um, oh, I know, right? planning this Boston trip. Yeah. yeah. You're not stopping anywhere. Winter's open yesterday and I went. Work. My husband's yeah, like, totally. it was so funny. I wanted pots for my plants and I didn't, I didn't like anything at Walmart. And I was like, have it. So winter's open. I'm like, I'm there. And he's like, oh, my gosh, of course you are. But I just went in and got my pots. And I looked around. and I'm like, I don't really need anything else. I feel like I'm kind of at this point where I'm like, I really don't need anything. Yeah. Oh, I know. I feel like we just need social interaction. Me and a group of girlfriends were planning on, like, meeting in a friend's backyard around her fire pit and just, like, keeping our distance. But just visiting, right? Like, I just want to see some faces Mm, in person. I know. I did do it last week with two (laughs) friends. And I think it was, like six hours later and my husband was like are you guys okay we're like yeah we're just yeah. catching up i know this this rain thwarted our plans oh, yeah. i don't know what the weather's like for you but man mm-hmm. is it rainy and gross i woke up with a migraine mm-hmm. this morning this crazy weather but well it's been so much fun chatting with you tell me how people can find you uh, or reach you or okay so websites being website fixed right now because i I had two websites and now they're Perfect. being amalgamated, but I don't know how to do domain shit. And I'm like, I, I tried it and I, I effed it up so bad. So oh, I hear you. I literally am I'm paying not someone to fix it for me because I wrecked no, it. I know. Um, so it will be uh, to serve and connect.com or .ca. I have both domains or um, Lauren Hope Cleveland. Um, and you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at, to serve and connect or break complacency is my coaching business. Yeah. Break complacency. Break. B R E A. What kind of break? Yeah. Yeah. 
perfect. Mm-hmm. Cool. It was fun. Awesome. We do well, have to do fun. it again. And I we'll would love to, to meet you sometime. in real people. See you. <laughs> okay. Well, next time you're in Calgary for any Air and Sky. Yes, games, I will. Look me up. Come find okay, me or uh, get her to connect us. Yes, and I'd please. love to meet you in I person love that. for a coffee or something. Awesome. All right, Lauren, thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Have a wonderful Thanks, Teddy. Day take and good care. Luck with your floors. <laughs> and my kids. You too. You too. And your kids. Okay, take care. Okay, take thank care. Bye. You. All right. Bye bye. Mountain Movers are a high-quality, highly reliable moving company who offer to assist you with all of your relocation needs. Find out more and request a discount by contacting our good friend and owner, Jeff Gilbert. Email him at mountainmovers at mail.org and tell him Teddy sent you. I'm sure he'll give you a discount. Thanks for listening, friends. Don't forget to leave us a review, share your favorite podcast episode with others, and spread the love. Have a great day and keep becoming your best self.